It starts with an idea, then it's all about action. We're asking the hustlers, the action dreamers, the entrepreneurs, how to make it all possible. But this is all about keeping it real. Not everything is picture perfect, and we want to know about the struggle and the many sleepless nights that it takes to bring a business to life. They say we learn through our mistakes. Well, we're asking the experts so you don't have to. This is Commercial Free. Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of the Commercial Free Podcast. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Brian Sigwart. He is a certified financial planner who helps federal employees retire early. So why don't you introduce yourself to your audience in a little bit more detail in what it is you actually do? My name, like he said, my name is Brian Sigwart, certified financial planner with Cummins & Associates Financial Group. Um, I educate uh, federal employees as far as how their benefits work so that they have the resources to make decisions to lead to better financial outcomes. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. So let me ask you this. What, uh, at what point did you realize that you wanted to become an entrepreneur and help federal employees retire early? Um, I was always good at numbers. So when I went, when I was going to college, I was studying for business and they told me that I needed to choose a concentration and looked at the concentrations that focused on math and it was pretty much accounting or finance and I did not want to do accounting. Um, so kind of led towards the financial field. Um, started my career out over at T. Rowe Price and you know, helping people with 401ks, uh, sitting there with a the headset on my head from the moment I walked in the door until the moment I walked out and said, all right, you know what? Uh, this is enough. Uh, I kind of want to go out there and meet people and see people, even though that's pretty funny because this last two years, all I do is sit at a computer with a headset on my head. Um, but now I actually kind of enjoy it, you know, versus, you know, then it, it was, oh, this is what I do to, uh, for work. But I get to get out uh, every once in a while and, you know, just times are different right now. Yeah, no, times are definitely different. So, like, how have you, like, adapted from like going in person to online? Um, Hey, you know, they told us to take our computers home and everything home that we need it for two weeks. And, uh, Hey, we're coming up on two years now on that two week statement. Uh, so for the, really for the first two weeks, I kind of almost just took a little bit of a vacation and, uh, got a lot of things done around the house and then realized that this was not going anywhere and had to figure out how to get into the virtual world and, and figure out how to make it work. And I mean, at the end of the day, it was just more so of a, a fear of myself. Um, because I'm literally saying the exact same thing, whether I'm sitting in front of somebody, whether I'm doing a Zoom phone call um, or just doing a regular phone call, all the information is the same. The conversations are the same. It just, I was so adapted that I needed to see you in person. Um, and now, because I don't necessarily need to see you in person, uh, I'm able to educate federal employees all across the country instead of just in the Delmarva area. So that's amazing, actually, that you're able to reach federal employees all across the country. What was that like realization like for you that you were able to help even more people and that it almost benefited you in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, there were some agencies that I gave uh, presentations going over their federal benefits that they had asked me to um, speak at a different agency, um, whether it was to fly out there or, um, hey, is it okay if we do a WebEx and have some people from our Cincinnati office or our Colorado office listening in? And, you know, some of me was like, 
okay, yeah, you know, I'll let you do it just because um, I'm helping your particular agency, but didn't really think I was going to gain any type of business because, hey, I started my career out in a face-to-face. That was the only way that I could help people. Um, And, you know, now that the doors are open, then I can pretty much reach out to anybody. Um, And anybody can reach out to me. Um, If you search for uh, experts in federal employee benefits, just looking online, people come across my name. I have no idea who they are, how they came across my name, but just different stuff like we're doing today. My name's out there and my virtual calendar's out there and people pop up on it and have some of the most off the wall questions about federal employee benefits that, um, you know, sometimes I know the answer and sometimes I need to get back to them in a couple of days because I got to reach out to some of my resources, uh, to clarify some of those really off the wall questions. But I've had people all around, not only the country, but really around the world reach out to me, um, or pop up on my calendar about different federal benefits. That's amazing. So like, I got, this is like a two part question. So like, what is it like when people come to you and you don't have to go out and chase them? And then also, what is it like? Well, no, actually, no. What were some of those off the wall questions that you would get? Um, it is nice that, you know, you can go to sleep and then wake up and see, Hey, there's two, three people in your calendar. Uh, I mean, when I started in this business, uh, I was pretty much every night I was on the phone until nine o'clock because that's when the do not call, um, starts out. So you can call from as early as eight 30 in the morning out to 9 PM, um, in that person's time zone. And, you know, I would run evening appointments. And if I got home before eight o'clock, I got home and I sat in front of my phone and my computer and started dialing away um, just because I needed to fill my calendar up so that I could put food on the table. Um, and, you know, getting introduced to different federal agencies, being asked to be speakers at different agencies, um, you know, has gotten my name out there that people are starting to reach out. And it's nice because, again, it takes one level of my area uh, of business out because people are reaching out to me instead of having to reach out to them. Um, The second part of that question, some off-the-wall questions, really just come down to specifics about you know, how somebody's health insurance transitions into retirement um, or that they are working overseas and their benefit package is slightly different than how it is here in the States, even though they work for the federal government. So they have different uh, things that are associated with their benefits that you don't see every day. Um, and I, I like to tell people, look, I know your federal benefits uh, like the back of my hand. Um, I know probably your guys' benefits better than I know my own. Um, but it's because I see things over and over and over again. Um, but every once in a while, I get somebody that pops up onto my calendar that is what's called a FERS offset. Um, and they're kind of like a hybrid between the two federal retirement uh, benefits. And there's not many people that are associated with that, but their benefits are a little unique. So sometimes I have to dive into my handbooks to get the correct answers for those. And so situations like that, or just really off the wall questions that you don't get all the time is, you know, some stuff that I might need to do a little bit of research and I'm not afraid to say, Hey, I don't know the answer. Um, I'm not going to make up something. I'm just going to tell you, you know, give me a couple days and I'll reach out to somebody that does know the answer and I'll get back to you. 
Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And like, has that level of honesty helped you build uh, more trust with people and just flat out saying like, hey, I don't know the answer and uh, and them being like, okay, do people get discouraged by that? Like, what's their typical reaction? Um, I feel like they kind of enjoy that. Um, You know, I've done financial analysis or reviewed people's financial situation and there's been a handful of times, or I shouldn't say handful of times, there's been plenty of times where I look at somebody's situation and say, I cannot enhance your situation. The current advisor that you're working with is doing a great job. Um, Their fees are pretty low, comparable to mine. Um, The only thing uh, like I can't really say that I'm going to enhance your situation. And if I'm not going to enhance your situation, I'm not going to take you. I don't want to take anybody in a lateral movement. I want to make them uh, you know, move forward instead of just kind of sideways. And I'll tell people, look, as long as you still like your advisor, stay with them. But you know, if they're getting ready to retire and they're transferring their business to their son or a different partner that you don't know, hey, yeah, let's take a look at what what I would do, but I don't think I would enhance your situation. It's just going to be a lateral move. And some of those people really take that to heart because they're like, they were expecting me to try to sell them something. And, you know, I don't believe that I'm a salesman. I'm, I'm an educator. Um, so I get a lot of my referrals from people that are not my clients. They're more so people that I've reviewed their situation, gave them honest feedback. And they said, Hey, look, Brian, or look, John Smith or whoever the heck their, their friends are saying, get Brian to review your information. And he'll tell you whether, you know, your guy's charging you way too much or you shouldn't be in this particular product or not. And, um, and go from there. And that's where, where a lot of my referrals came from. It's just honesty. That's amazing. And like, just being honest, like, you know, people who say it's like the best policy if you, and it sounds corny, but it's true. Like, you know, if you're honest with people and, you know, you say you can't help them, but like then in the back of your mind, you already, in the back of their mind, you already built that trust. And then, like you said, when they go to refer someone else, uh, it just transfers over and then it just creates almost like an, an evergreen of people who want to potentially work with you. So, yeah. I mean, it's the, the thing is, is it's just an ongoing business. It's not, Hey, I get a sale and then I'm done and I never talk to that person again. So the relationships that I build are long lasting. Um, very rarely do I lose a client. Most of the time, if I lose a client, it's because they passed away and I didn't spark the relationship up with the kids while the parents were still healthy. And so that's something that I've learned over my 15 years is when a client gets up into their 80s, you need to involve the kids because their assets are going to pass to their kids. And if you don't have that relationship with them, then all of a sudden that money's gone. How do you help someone uh, go beyond the benefits that they have like after they retire and then just create um, more wealth from that essentially, you know, instead of just having the money sit and do nothing? It's all about really figuring out what they're trying to accomplish with their money. You know, is it, hey, I want to leave a legacy behind to my kids. Is it, um, you know, I'm worried about a long-term care situation happening down the road Um, or it's hey, I need this money to live the lifestyle that I live. Um, since I do a lot of work with federal employees, you know their pensions and social security are a lot of times enough to cover their expenses. And you know the remaining balance 
in their TSP, which is called a, well, sorry, everybody's 401k, which is called a TSP for federal employees, um, they very rarely need to dip into it. And then it becomes, okay, well, we're not dipping into this. Why why do we have it? Why do we save so much into it? Oh, well, I want to take care of the kids, okay? Um, or, you know, I want to take care of my spouse if something happens to me. And you got to look at, you know, what's the most effective way to leave money behind to your beneficiaries? And you also have to look at um, taxation. Um, you know, where are taxes today versus where are taxes going to be tomorrow? Now, Nobody has that crystal ball to know exactly where taxes are going to be tomorrow. Um, but you just kind of got to look at the writing on the wall, um, listen to different types of tax analysts and different people that have had different seats in the federal government that talk about you know, where taxes have to go in order for our country not to go bankrupt. And um, it's a scary thought when I dove into that rabbit hole and started to study um, taxation as a whole over the last you know, hundred years as a country and, you know, what's going on with our national debt and where things have to go. And you have to bring that to people's attention because everybody has always been told that you want to save money on taxes. You want to put away into these retirement accounts. And then, you know, when you're retired, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket and you're going to pay less in taxes. Well, what happens if tax brackets change? And where do you anticipate taxes to go in the future? Um, so a lot of advisors aren't talking to their clients about that. And I think I've really changed my practice about three, four years ago to really focus on educating people about where taxes been and where everybody expects them to go. Um, and then the one thing that has always been there, but nobody really has ever addressed it, is the widow's tax trap. What is that exactly, the widow's tax trap? Uh, so the widow's tax trap is usually where your income goes down, but your taxes go up because you lose one spouse. So you're losing one spouse's either pension or their pension's getting cut in half. You're losing one spouse's social security check, but your taxes are going up. Now, why is that? Why would your taxes go up if your income went down? Well, the government does not have a widow's tax bracket. They have a married filing jointly tax bracket, and they have a uh, single filer's tax bracket. And so that widow becomes a single filer, and now they're making less money, but they're paying more in taxes. So not, o- not always is it the best idea to spend non-retirement money or non-taxable money in your first couple years of retirement because you don't want to pay taxes on it because all you're doing is kicking that burden down the road to the surviving spouse and or the kids. Ah, okay. And a lot of people aren't familiar with that, I'm sure too, and then end up getting caught in a situation that they weren't expecting, right? Exactly. I mean, the thing is, is nobody likes paying taxes, okay? Um, So the the whole (laughs) thought process is when people retire, they're like, well, I don't want to spend my pre-tax retirement money. I want to spend whatever else I can because if I spend that money, I'm going to get taxed on it. But are you looking at down the road? Are you looking at that widow's tax trap? Or are you looking at where taxes are most likely going to go. And in in all reality, you know, if Biden doesn't change, uh, pick up the tax pen and change anything, in 2026, 
tax brackets are going to be changing. Uh, based off of the Trump tax cuts that he put back in place, the, everybody that's in the 22% tax bracket is going to go to 25 and the 24% tax bracket goes to 28 And that's without anything changing. Um, so that is going to go up. Are you capitalizing on that today? So how would you recommend someone to capitalize that? Well, capitalize on that today. Exactly. Well, if they are retired and you know they're spending whatever they're needing to live their lifestyle, what they need to be doing is they need to be working with their financial planner and their CPA. Those two people should be talking to each other and looking at what your modified adjusted gross income is and how much more can you add to your adjusted gross income without bumping you into the next tax bracket. That's the money that should be being taken out of pre-tax assets. Should it be converted to a Roth? Should it be put into life insurance? Depends on your situation. But either way, it should be coming out because most likely, you're probably never going to see a tax bracket lower than what you currently are in. So especially when you're in your first couple years of retirement looking at where taxes are. So capitalize on that additional money that you can take in your current tax bracket and reposition it into something that's going to grow completely tax-free for you. I was just going to say, like, what are your thoughts on like a Roth 401k or just Roth accounts in general where the, the money grows tax-free? I love them. Preach them until I'm blue in the face. So like, so if someone, like for me example, like I just started working at a new job, like they have a Roth 401k option. Would you recommend switching over to that and not do a traditional 401k? A hundred percent. Okay. And that's a, that's a bold statement. Okay. Um, but especially knowing how young you are. Okay. Most of the time when people talk about Roths or at least when they first came out, they said the younger you are, the better off they're going to be because there's more time for the tax-free growth. Um, however, after studying the taxes, I even tell people that are 55, 60 years old, that they should be looking at contributing into the Roth 401k if your employer allows you to. Um, the, th- the thought process that they come back with is, well, wait, my income's a lot higher now than it's going to be when I retire. But you got to look at how much money do you have in your retirement account currently? It's all pre-tax. Can you get yourself a little bit of a balance so that by the time you retire, maybe you have 50-50? Um, you know, especially for those people that are, you know, closer to retirement, that way, if taxes are high in the future, take the money from the Roth. If taxes are low in the future, take your money from the pre-tax. Um, but you just got to ask yourself, where do you think taxes are going to go in the future? And that's going to answer your question of whether you should have money in Roth versus pre-tax. Thank you for clarifying that. I'm sure that's going to be super helpful for a lot of people who listen to this podcast, especially um, people who are starting to get new full-time jobs and switching over to um, different careers. So like on your career path, what led you to become a financial advisor in the beginning? Because I remember you touched upon it before, but like what made you want to stay in that path? Was it something about like really liking numbers you said earlier, right? Uh, I mean, I was just good at math. Uh, I mean, I took financial classes in college once I decided to do that concentration. And it was amazing how my grades went from being kind of C's, maybe a B to all of a sudden now all B's and A's because it was finance and it was something that I enjoyed. Um, So it was amazing seeing the grade transformation um, and maybe just the more serious taking school because, you know, your first couple years in college, you're Hey, you're in college. Um, so, um, but you know, w- my first year out of 
Tivro Price, um, I went to work for MetLife. Um, and at first I was like, MetLife, what the heck do you want with me? You're an insurance company. I went to school for finance. I have these financial licenses like a Series 6 and a Series, um, at that point in time, a Series 65 as well. And I'm like, I, I do investments. What do you want with me? And you know, the, I was also interviewing with Morgan Stanley and had positions offered from both. And I decided to take the job from MetLife because the gentleman over there said, look, Brian, we do everything that the uh, investment companies do, but we also offer the insurance as well. Oh, and by the way, we have a pension. Um, whereas Morgan Stanley didn't say that. So, and they were really just financial gurus. They didn't really intermix the insurance component. Now, since then, I have done a lot of interviewing around at different places. Back in 2016, I probably interviewed with every company that was out there just trying to figure out where was going to be the right fit for me. Uh, because right at that point in time, MetLife was discontinuing their sales force. So we were kind of saying, hey, what, what's the company uh, that you want to work for? And the funny thing is, is being that established in the business at that point in time, it was a different mindset because it wasn't, hey, where do, where do I want to go interview? It was everybody wanted me. Um, so it was like, which company do I want to work for? And I got to interview them instead of them interviewing me, which is was game changing. You know, how many people can you say that, you know, can go out looking for a job and most people want you? Um, and in the, in the financial field, once you've got yourself established, all the companies want you to come work for them because they get some type of override on your business. So they want you to work for them. And you just kind of got to look at what each company provides benefit wise, as well as, you know, what they charge, what control do you have, and what's going to be the best fit for your clients. Um, and hey, 2015 into 16, that was a rough year of doing a lot of interviews and stuff along those lines um, to figure out what was going to be the best fit for not only myself and my partner, but really for our clients. Because, you know, the, I tell my clients, they're my boss. Forget about who signs my paycheck. My clients are my boss. Um, yeah, because they can say, see you later at any point in time. Um, and there goes a paycheck. Um, so I got to do what's right for them, what's what's um, going to keep them happy. I got to go above and beyond with any type of responses and everything along those lines to make sure that they're happy. That's, that's amazing. So like, just what, from what you told me is very, very like rare in a sense, because like you said, you get, you were the one interviewing other companies. So like, if, what would you want to tell people who want to get into that situation? Like how, how to, to get there? Um, well, I don't really know any other field that you can kind of say that in, um, for finance, yeah. for finance, for finance. Um, so yeah, for, for finance, for finance. One, yeah. hey, <laughs> I'm going to tell you it is probably one of the toughest businesses to break through. Um, when I look back at my higher higher class with MetLife, there was they were pretty much hiring every two months. They were hiring at least ten people, and a year later, there would probably only be two of those ten people left. Um, and then two more years later, there was only one, aka me. 
Um, but if every higher class, that's kind of what it was because it wasn't that easy of a business to get into. Um, I even look at it now compared to what it was when I got hired and I don't think I would have made it, um, if I had to restart my career now, um, because, you know, MetLife did things differently than a lot of other companies that I've seen out there for newer reps, um, and for anybody that wants to get into the financial industry, I would say that you need to find yourself a good established team that can provide you plenty of people to reach out to. Um, because if you don't have the people to reach out to and you're reaching out to your friends and family members or you're reaching, just picking up a phone book or whatever, you're going to die. Um, not die physically, but you know, starve out of the business because um, you're going to need a paycheck. Um, and... The one thing that I liked is I never reached out to any of my friends or family members when I started in the industry. One, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. So why the heck am I going to do that to my friends or family members? I waited until they came to me because they saw, hey, you know, Brian's been doing this for a couple of years. He bought another rental property. Okay. You know what? He, he knows what he's doing. Um, maybe we should ask him uh, what we should do with this and allowed them to come to me. And then slowly but surely, you know, more and more of the family members started to come to me. Um, you know, not every one of them does and nor do I want every one of them, you know, so. Uh. Makes sense. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for answering that. Um, so like what have been like the best resources that have helped you get to where you are today? Education. Um, you know, I mean, did I really learn much at in college about financial or financial planning or anything along those lines? I'd say not really. Um, in my mind, most of the college was really just commitment. Are you willing to put in the work and do it and kind of get you through? Um, but once you've narrowed it down to a field, um, there's different things that you can invest in yourself to grow your business, whether it's sales, uh, to learn a little bit more about sales, motivation, um, you know, if you need that motivation, if you need that kick in the butt. Um, and then, you know, just different education for learning more and building yourself. Like I became a certified financial planner, um, several years ago. And I always tell people, look, I lost two years of my life studying for that thing. Now, luckily it was right around, you know, when my wife, uh, got pregnant, um, you know, we weren't doing as much stuff anymore. So, you know, I was, <sighs> burying myself in a book studying for these classes. And most of those classes, you usually take about three months to take. And I was taking them once a, one a month because we weren't doing anything. Um, and then, you know, then the son was born. It was like, okay, this six to seven months before I can actually take a test because, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm being a dad and trying to do stuff. And then, you know, studying for that actual bigger exam, um, you know, I stressed myself out completely studying for that thing. But, you know, I told her, I said, look, you're not going to see much of me for two months, but if I do this right, that will be it versus having to, uh, fail it and then have to redo it. So luckily, you know, I passed it the first time, which not many people can say, or I, I think over 50% or around 60% of people pass it on the first time. Um, but studying for different stuff along those lines. Um, I had a manager back in the day at MetLife that, 
uh, taught us how federal employees life insurance works. Um, and being in the Delmarva area, we were always coming across federal employees. So I owe a lot to him, um, for educating us about that. And, and then just finding different classes that say, Hey, look, you can take this class and it educates you on, um, how federal employees pensions work and getting designations that are associated with federal employee benefits so that you can be asked to be a guest speaker at an agency. So, I mean, bottom line is education in yourself and in your field to be able to get you to, you know, where you need to be. Thank you for sharing that. And like, what, what are some like, uh, challenges that you came across? Can't, sorry, let me re-exit. What were some challenges that you had, uh, that came up aside from having a kid that would, uh, prevent you from like studying and getting the education you needed? Life. Um, yeah, I mean, just, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just, just being able to enjoy life. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, as a financial planner, when you start off in the industry, you're working close to 60 hours a week, maybe more. You know, you're working Monday through Monday through Thursday, nine to nine. You know, maybe maybe that on Fridays. I tried to always cut it short on Fridays just because I worked so much uh, Monday through Thursday. But my first probably three to four years of my career, I was working on Saturday mornings. Um, I thought I had the best success reaching out to people on a Saturday morning versus an evening. So, you know, four hours on a Saturday morning on the phone, um, you know, was very powerful. Um, so doing all that and then wanting to enjoy life, you know, whether this is your first career or it's your second career, you know, just being able to de-stress and decompose yourself. Um, and not being able to study so much where you're not working and producing and providing a paycheck. I mean, I've seen several people fail out of the business that literally just went head over heels on studying for everything and they weren't working as hard. So they didn't really build their client book and their relationships up as much as I was because I don't think I invested in myself until I don't want to say too late, but a lot later than others, but I'm around and they're not. So maybe that was the smart thing to do. But I mean, granted, when I, uh, granted, when I first started, I didn't know that this was going to be my career, you know, for the first year, first two years, I feel like it was right around the end of the second year where I was like, okay, you know what? I compare this to where I was making at T row price. Yeah. It's way better than what I was making at T row price. Um, even if I'm not working as much, I feel like I can still maintain my bills And then by the time I got past my fourth year, I realized, okay, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. Um, And once that happened, once it became, hey, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life, I then also started to think about differently as far as how I got paid. Um, Because in our industry, um, not with everything, but in our industry, there's certain different contracts and stuff that we can offer where we can choose whether we want to get paid now and never see a cent again, or whether we want to get paid a lot less now, but continuously getting paid moving forward. Does the client pay anything different? No. It's just how we choose to receive our compensation. Um, And some people will say, hey, you know, you ever hear future dollar um, or dollar, no, not dollar cost averaging, um, the power of money and the, the future growth of that money and stuff along those lines. And I say, yeah, but 
I don't want it today. I want it tomorrow just to continuously uh, reoccur. Exactly. You know, how many the people, like almost. mortgage people, they make a lot right? of money, especially yeah. in these last two, three years. But they start January 1st at zero again, and they're having to bust their butt um, over and over again. And most people in the financial planning industry, that's not something that they have to worry about every single year. They can wake up January 1st and know that they have kind of a salary, even though they don't really have a salary, but their existing clients have created a salary for themselves moving forward. Which is pretty, which is pretty amazing. And just being able to have that, I wouldn't say security blank, but it's almost just like a safety net almost. And just like you said, having that salary and just being able to put their best foot forward. So like, what are some like myths about like being able to retire that you want to like debunk? <laughs> um miss about you being able to retire. Well, let's put it this way. If somebody asked me, when can I retire? Tomorrow. Okay. Not me, but you, you can retire tomorrow. Okay. But anybody can retire, but are you going to have to go back to work after being retired for five years because you didn't do the proper planning? Um, and you know, there was a commercial, I think AIG did it, um, or had it online several years ago and it was talking about the retirement number and a guy was trimming his bushes and uh, he looks down and he says, what's that number that you're holding? He's like, oh, that's my retirement number. What's yours? And he's like, I don't know, a gazillion? And he's like, but that's not the right way to look at things because the retirement number is not how much money you have. Okay. Um, And I get this question all the time from federal employees is how much money do I need to have to retire? Um, My neighbor, he has a million dollars in his 401k and I only have 300,000. I don't think I'm ready to retire. And I say, well, does your neighbor have a pension? And they say, no. And I said, well, let's calculate out the true value of what that pension is. And we'll do some math and then all of a sudden realize that that value of that true pension is closer to maybe 600000 or maybe a million dollars, depending on what their pension is. I say, if your neighbor wanted to create a pension, he would need this much money to dump into some type of contract to provide that pension. Um, so it's not all about the number. It's all about what you spend in retirement. Like I could have a million dollars, and I don't know if this is really true or not, but I'll say I could have a million dollars and be able to retire. But my neighbor, on the other hand, wouldn't be able to retire on a million dollars because they need to have every their spending habits. They need to have every fancy toy out there and stuff along those lines. So it really just comes down to what does it cost to live your lifestyle? You know, what is that income need that you have in order to pay your bills, enjoy the life that you want to enjoy? Um, and what are your guaranteed income sources? And how much are you going to have to dip into your retirement accounts to spend that? So, um, you know, those dollar amounts as far as some, how much somebody has is kind of off the wall. Um, the biggest issue as far as when can somebody retire is really comes down to health insurance. Um, and that's why a lot of people go to work for the federal government because they get health insurance in retirement. Um, and you know, as long as they put in the certain amount of years, whether it's five years in age 62 or, um, 20 years in age 60 or 30 years and minimum retirement age, which could range from 55 to 57 years old. Um, they get to carry health insurance. So they don't have to work till 65. Whereas everybody else kind of has in the back of their mind, they have, they have to work till 65. So that's when they can sign up for Medicare. 
Because if they're not signing up for Medicare, they're paying for health insurance out of pocket, which is very, very expensive. And can you afford to do that? Can you afford that? Well, depends on how much you saved. Exactly. So like, what advice would you want to give someone looking to retire and create that like that um, safety net to be able to pay for health insurance and retire early and not have to worry about that if they don't have like a pension, let's say? Yeah. Well, the first thing is, is there's never too much as uh, too much to save. Okay. I, I get that question a lot. Now, granted, if you are saving over 35% of your pay, maybe you should think about enjoying life a little bit. Um, because you're probably going to be good if you're saving close to 35% of your pay. Um, but there's no such thing as too much because if you save too much, that just means you can retire earlier and enjoy life. Um, so that's, that's the key factor there. Now, the difference is, is if you're saving in pre-tax buckets versus if you're saving in Roth buckets. Pre-tax buckets, shoot, if you start to access that money before 59 and a half, you're going to be penalized. Um, if you have Roth money, um, depending on whether it's in a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k, if it's in a Roth IRA, you get to access what you put in at any time, no taxes, no penalty. You just can't access the growth until it's been in that account for five years and you're over the age of 59 and a half without having to pay taxes or a penalty on it. Um, so that actually circled back around to your question of, hey, I got that 401k at work. They offer the Roth. Should I do it? Yes, you should up until that company match. Anything above that company match, if you're able to afford to put away to it, you should be putting it into a Roth IRA instead of the Roth 401k because you have that flexibility. That Roth 401k, you can't access until you no longer are employed there or until you're retired or over the age of 59 and a half. That Roth IRA gives you that flexible flexibility of being able to touch it beforehand. But it does matter how much money you make. If you make over a certain dollar amount, you can't contribute to Roth IRAs. So I just want to put that clause out there. Um, but there's no income restrictions on Roth 401ks. So you can make as much money as you want. If your employer allows you to put away into a Roth 401k, go for it. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the podcast today. I think we had so much value brought on to here. So like, what do you, what's your one piece of advice for people out there that um, would want to come and talk to you? How can they get connected with you online? Um, well, I do have a Calendly link that's on my LinkedIn page. Um, you can probably put it in your show show notes as well. That's exactly uh, what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, yeah, put it in there. That that gives you a link to my calendar. See my availability. I don't care who you are. I will always uh, talk to you as long as I have availability in my calendar. Um, so find the time that works best for you. Um, it's up there for a 45 minute phone call. We don't have to take that long. We can take 15 minutes, just get some questions answered. Um, I talk to a lot of people, um, and I, sometimes I just coach them and don't really do anything. Don't get paid for it or anything along those lines. And then five years later, they reach out to me because, um, I can now assist them with something. So, um, always reach out to me on my calendar and or you can just call me. My number is uh, 410-937-9098. It is my cell phone. Okay. So if I don't want to talk to you, I won't answer. 
Um, if I see that phone number coming through, people say, why do you give out your cell phone number? I was like, cause I want to talk to people when I'm working. I want to talk to them. Um, and if I'm not working or if I'm sitting around, you know, depending on what I'm doing, whether I want to answer the phone and, you know, it could be a spam call. It could be, you know, a potential client. Um, you know, it could be a friend in need, um, that just is calling me from a random number. But, you know, obviously I, you know, sometimes there's points that you don't want to necessarily answer the phone. You listen to a voicemail and you're like, oh shoot, that's that friend. I need to call and help them out or something along those lines. So. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for putting that out there. Like it's especially like, you know, having that like availability and just being, being there for people is, is amazing. <laughs> now my, uh, I am starting to realize over the last six months that, Hey, I'm, I am getting a lot busier than I was expecting, but it's because of doing things like this and having that calendar out there. But, uh, you know that, Hey, that's why I got a, a team of advisors. You know, I got a partner and a couple people that, you know, can help me feel different things. Um, but my calendar is my calendar. You, you are going to talk to me. Um, and you know, if I feel that you might be better suited with somebody else, I will, uh, put you in touch with that person, uh, on my team. That's perfect. And I just want to thank you again for coming on today and then just being so open and talking about what it is you do for a living. Yeah, no worries. I appreciate you asking me to come along. Yeah, of course. So we'll have to have you come on again in the future and just talk about different topics as as the financial industry changes, as it always does. Uh, it certainly does. I mean, I shoot, I look at applications from when I first started in the industry until the applications now. And it's like, how many more pages are there of these applications? It's ridiculous. It's like... Um, and then I look back even like 30 years ago, as far as like, if you look at a life insurance application, it was like two pages and now it's like 40 pages. Um, you know, but laws change. Um, some people tried, some try, some people try to do some shady stuff and, you know, the government's caught wind of that and, you know, has made it so that, you know, that stuff is, um, heavily regulated, uh, to make sure that we are doing the best interest of, um, our clients. Now, like you said, like it's, it's all about the best interests of like the client and making sure they get the most value for, for what you have to offer. Yes, it is. So I just want to say thank you again. And, uh, I'll let you know once this podcast goes out. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks for having me and feel free to uh, reach out to me with any questions or, uh, if you have some topics in mind that you kind of want to address, um, feel free. I'll, uh, I'll hop on and, and talk. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Commercial Free Podcast. If you love this episode, please share it on your Instagram stories with the one takeaway you had and tag me in it at steven.brennan. That is S-T-E-V-E-N dot Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N. And I look forward to spending time with you in the next podcast. And also don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss another episode.